Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Today's devotional comes from Philippians chapter 1, verses 29 through 30. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. It's interesting that St. Paul sees struggle and suffering as something that's granted, as if it were an award to be won or a gift to be received. You know, your faith is so strong, God must have blessed you with persecution, implies St. Paul, which is really an extraordinary uh, and odd thing to offer someone as comfort, as if, you know, doing it right and having the right faith means that persecution, especially from the Roman Empire, was sure to follow. But Paul is really no stranger to suffering in his own Christian walk. In 2 Corinthians, Paul gives a list of some of the hardships he's endured, He was flogged five times, beaten with rods three times. Um, At one point, he was stoned, and he was knocked unconscious, and they thought he was dead, and it turns out he wasn't. Uh, He was shipwrecked three times, 24 hours left adrift at sea, and among all that, he's got his own number of sleepless nights of hunger and thirst and toil and hardship, exposure to the cold. I mean, the guy clearly knows... Uh, what it's like uh, to suffer for the sake of God's kingdom. And it's funny because he's not just suggesting in our reading that persecution is proof that the Philippians have a vibrant faith. He's offering them the gift of sympathy. I know what you're going through, says St. Paul, and I know exactly what that's like. And, it, and it's true. He, he knows exactly what it's like. We know from earthly reality that human beings tend to shine when a community faces common disruption. Uh, Think of uh, the good news stories you hear after hurricanes or earthquakes or terrorist attacks. Uh, The aftermath of some of these major suffering disruptions are community pride and solidarity and a promise to rebuild bigger and better than ever. Common suffering is something that builds bonds. That's why boot camp in the military, uh, they do this with the whole unit so that the unit builds camaraderie together as they make their way through basic training. That's why big companies pay lots of money to send their staff away on team building retreats. Right, The mutual suffering and the hard work they do together, it builds trust, it builds community, it builds a team together. This is why team sports offers such a profound look into the life of a human being. Because the mutual suffering of the training and the competing can really build lifelong relationships. And so I wonder how it might change your heart to know that God is your co-sufferer, like the Philippian church and Paul were co-sufferers. In the same way that St. Paul expresses partnership with the church in suffering, when we as Christians endure hardship, the invitation from Jesus is to recognize ourselves as co-sufferers that when we suffer, we are like Jesus. In our Christian Ed series uh, last uh, fall, you, if you were there, you remember that our art history professor turned Sunday school teacher, Marge Moyer, uh, gave us an image of what it might look like for us to imagine Jesus as someone who suffers with us 
and draws closer to us as a result instead of him being farther away. The piece she showcased is a one panel of a, a very large piece of work called the Eisenheim Altarpiece. It's by Matthias Grunewald. And this massive piece of art was displayed in um, St. Anthony's, which was a, an abbey, like a monastery, and, and also uh, functioned as a hospital of sorts. Uh, this, uh, this monastery hospital was known for its treatment of people who had skin disease and the plague, leprosy, uh, bubonic plague, whichever it was, uh, that when, when these people needed a place to go, the, the abbey and the monastery took them in, and this piece would, was displayed in their chapel. And when I say it's massive and it's huge, we're talking about uh, nine, point, uh, 9 feet 9 inches tall and 10 feet 9 inches wide. And it was displayed on top of the communion table, the, the altar in the abbey chapel, meaning that you've added another three or four feet off the ground, and you have this 11 or 12 foot high, massive uh, vision of the crucifix there for you to look up from a hospital bed and gaze at. The Jesus of this painting is actually not a very heroic Jesus. He's gaunt. You can see his ribs, and uh, his hands are gnarled up, and his head is weighed down, and it features uh, plenty of blood and gore. It, it is not a beautiful depicting of Jesus. It is a quite horrendous one. But what makes this piece of art so unique is that when Grunewald, knowing that the audience for this painting would be people dying of a plague, uh, this, this Jesus in this altarpiece uh, features, as he's being crucified, the pockmarks, the, the, the scabs, the spotting of the skin uh, that is a marker of the same plague that the people were dying of. And so when the people um, were dying of the plague, they were wheeled into this chapel and they could look up at a Jesus who bore the same skin that they had. Um, that they could look up and see Jesus in his own suffering and identify their own suffering as Jesus's. Um, that in Jesus' suffering, he becomes the one who bears the sins of the whole world and also their consequences, and included in that is the very plague that the ill um, hospice care provided at St. Anthony, that the people who were sickest could look up and imagine Jesus bearing their griefs as well. Friends, it's a universal fact that co-sufferers go closer together in their suffering. And so I invite you to bring your sufferings to Jesus. Um, as the old hymn reminds us, what a friend we have in Jesus, that he can bear all our sins and griefs, right? What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sin and griefs to bear. Um, that is the God we worship, that is the Jesus who loves us, and it's the Jesus who will see us through this season uh, marked by the coronavirus. Music and sound effects come to us today from a number of Creative Commons licenses. I want to thank Alexander at OrangeFreeSounds.com for the Angel Choir sound effect, and Jim Bryson for his tune, Clear the Crowds. Stay tuned. Later this week, I hope to have our podcast series up with a wider distribution so that you can listen through an official podcasting app instead of just coming to our website. And never forget, friends, all shall be well, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Go in peace. And it must have been the way she came in like a tidal wave. Epiphany 
Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania.